Well, maybe for some of you can better relate to that video than the guy that does the Ironman triathlons from last week. But uh, we are in the midst of a uh, four, th- third week in a four-week series entitled How to Get What You Really Want. And uh, next week, Jeremy Allen will be here and he'll be wrapping up our series. As Christine and I, we are leaving uh, next Saturday. Uh, last spring, the church gave us a trip to go to Uh, the land of Israel, and so we're going to be leaving next Saturday to spend 12 days in Israel and Jordan. So we're very excited to be walking where Jesus walked and being able to experience the things that he did in that part of the world. So while I'm away, uh, Roddy is going to be launching a new series and um, titled Bad Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates. Bad Dates, Roommates, and Soulmates. So we'll be spending the month of February talking about relationships, and I look forward to jumping back in with that with you when I return. But we've been in our series, and we've been asking ourselves this question, what do you really want? What do you really want? And at first glance, it sounds like an easy question, one that we should be able to answer, but we discover very quickly that what I wanted was not what I really wanted. What I wanted was not what I really wanted. We've all had those experiences where there's something that we've wanted, and we try to start to take a step towards it, and then we realize very quickly, that's not what I want. I remember when I was in college and there was a season where <clears throat> Christine and I were not dating in between, it was in between dating seasons for us, and, and so I invited a girl out that I'd gotten to know through work, spent some time with, oh, we might maybe we'll go out and have a good time. We went out on this date and she literally didn't talk to me the whole day. She went and talked to all these other people the whole time. I was like, okay, that's not what I wanted. That's not happening again, you know? And so sometimes when we get what we, re- what we wanted, it's not what we really wanted. And when you get that relationship, when you get that job, when you get that car, when you get that boat, and then few experiences, a few days, weeks, months, 10, 20 payments down the road, you're like, why did I buy this again? Why did I invest in it? Because it's not what you really wanted. And we discovered in this struggle that there's some truths that we all wrestle with that. The first is that I want what I want. And so we all have these things that we want, and there's no way to change that. We all have these things that we want, and not only do we have these things that we want, and those are going to be different for each of us, but we do what? We want them now. We want them now. And we've discovered that these wants, these longings, these desires actually come from God. They're not bad things. They come from God, but they go south and they get misdirected. It becomes sin when it becomes more about getting them in my way and in my time. And then pursuit of those desires becomes about protecting myself. And pursuit of those desires become about me finding a way to meet those needs and not relying on anyone else. We saw last week that the struggle to live in just these surface desires, it's a common struggle. Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 7 verse 19 where he says, I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. That's what I keep on doing doing. We also saw the danger of paying, not paying attention to what's happening with desires because they can drag us away quickly. This week, we want to continue to explore this whole idea of deep desires and getting connected with what we truly value. And one of the ways to do this is to look at the end result. There's a phrase that's become popular in the business circles today. It's, it's the phrase says this, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know, even if you're in high school, you're probably starting to think about what track you're going to be on in high school, right? There's a couple different tracks you could be on. And the last thing you want to do is get to your senior year and realize there's a class that I needed for that track, but oh my goodness, how am I going to squeeze that in? And because I didn't think about what 
I wanted with the end in mind. No different in college. As you're thinking about a degree or where you want to end up, you got to look at the class selection, and, but you got to know where you want to go and then start working your way towards that. If you want to get somewhere financially, you might sit down with someone. They'll say, well, if you want to be here financially at this age, then this is what you have to do here, here, and here. You begin with the end in mind. Knowing what you want to do for a living, what you want your family size, all those things will drive your choices and decisions today. In the 90s, there was a very popular business book that kind of talked about this, and it was a book entitled, uh, it was a book entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and uh, written by a guy named Stephen Covey. And in this book, Covey provides direction for people about how to be effective in life. And one of the exercises that he encourages people to engage in it's called the funeral or the eulogy exercise. Anybody heard the funeral or eulogy exercise? A couple of you, not too many, just a few of you. Well, what this exercise is, he encourages you to write down the circles in your life in which you live. And so I actually did this. I pulled up my notes from it in 1997. And I have seven circles that I lived in, that I functioned in. And then he says, I want you to sit for a moment and write down and think about if you were at your funeral, what would you want the people in each of those circles to say about you? And so I sat there and thought, what would I want my spouse to say about me? What would I want my kids to say about me? What would I want my coworkers to say about me? What would I want my friends to say about me? What would I want the people I served with at the church to say about me? And he said, when this becomes your end target, your goal in life doesn't become that number on the chart for your retirement plan. When this becomes... When the end is there in mind, it doesn't become these places that you simply want to go that are only a bucket list, because you just have to plan to go and do that. But he said, when you begin to live with the end in mind and you think about, what do I want my life to be all about, you realize it's different than maybe what I thought about in this moment. You see, the reality is that in all of our lives, when we look back, none of us wants to look back with regrets and say, I wish I had fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Because we all at this point in our lives have an opportunity to make a choice. Do I want to make money or do I want to love well? Do I want to build things or invest in people? Because no one at the end of their lives says this, I wish I would have spent more time at work, do they? They don't, they don't. No one at the end of their lives says, I wish I would have made more money, can't spend it anyways, but I wish I would have made more money. They don't, they don't. What do they say? They say, I wish I would have invested in people. I wish I would have spent more time with those that matter the most to me. And so this process gives you an opportunity to connect with those deep desires, the things that really matter. And if you've never gone through that exercise and you want to continue to look at this, I would encourage you to consider it. But we're looking at something a bit deeper, and that's how do we connect with these deep desires that God has placed inside of us? I've been talking about two things, deep desires and surface desires. I want to spend a couple minutes on surface desires because we've been talking about what are those surface desires? What are they? Well, here's a couple of possibilities of what they might be. One is material things, a little bit more money, new car, more clothes, a little bit of bling, you know, that's what they, that's, that's a surface desire. You, and some of you may over the last month or two may have said, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I had and fill in the blank. Another surface desire is experiences. You know, that, uh, that beach there looks, a little, looks pretty nice right about now, you know, and some of you are wishing you were with that crazy crowd a little bit later this afternoon, you know. Um, so we, we long for experiences, and our experiences are another part of those surface desires that we have. 
There's another one. Positions, parent, mom, dad, job at a company, or in ministry in church. And then lastly, relational. Some of us just long to have friends. Some of us want to be in a meaningful relationship. Some of us want to have a family. You say, John, is there anything wrong with those things? Nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with them. But if you look at those, material, experiential, positional, or relational, those are all surface desires. Those are all things on the top ledge, on the top ledge. And the challenge is if I live my life for those things, if I live my life for those things, at the end of my life, I will come up realizing there was something more to have lived my life for. Because what we began to talk about last week is that God has placed in each of us, in every human being alive, as an image bearer of God, He's stamped into their soul His image and His desires that He longs for in each of us. And the challenge is not just to identify what they are, but to be able to then connect them to the things in life. We looked at some of these last week, purpose, relationship, impact, honor, value, protect and provide, to come through. Beauty, creativity, justice, freedom, peace, wholeness, completion, and order. How do you do this? How do I connect these surface desires, these things that are not bad things, John, but if I pursue them and I make my life all about them, I'm going to miss something that God has for me. Um, well, I had a chance a few months ago to be involved in a uh, in a retreat where I learned a skill that helped people walk towards us. And so uh, Julie's going to come up on stage, and she's going to help me walk through this. And the, this skill is entitled, um, What Do I Really Want? What do I really want? And so I've asked Julie to come, and as she's going to come, she's going to share with us um, something that uh, is uh, in her life. And I, I didn't talk to her about it in advance. I simply asked her to think about something that she really wants, something that she really wants. So, Julie, tell us, what is something that you really want? Something that I really want is a house that is clean, orderly, and organized. Okay. So, if you could have a house that is clean, orderly, and organized, what would that give you? It would give me a feeling of accomplishment. Okay. So if you had that feeling of accomplishment, what would that give you? If I had the feeling of accomplishment, um, it would give me a sense of satisfaction uh, that I've, I, we have a home with um, what used, used to be a very large family. It's dwindling down. Um, but often it, it, it's said that um, keeping your house clean with a bunch of kids is sort of like shoveling in a snowstorm. And so it was always my goal at the end of the day to have things picked up, put away, be back to ground zero so the morning we could start all over again. Um, and that just gave me a feeling of um, just an accomplishment, like, oh, there was something measurable that I did today. I can measure this one action and know that I have I've done my job today. So it gave me a feeling of just satisfaction. Okay. So if you could accomplish and measure that the house was clean and in order, what would that sense of accomplishment give you? That sense of accomplishment gave me a feeling of, I must want to say maybe feeling of pride, like uh, this is, I can do this. Um, 
I can, I can, I can do the thing I was taught to do growing up. It was really important in my home of origin that mm-hmm. things were clean. It was really important to my dad. And so it gave, it gives or it gave me the feeling of I can do this. I'm a success. Um, life is not drowning me. And there's a feeling of control in being able to stay on top of something that could drown me. So if you had this sense of control, what would that give you? (laughs) Having that sense of control gives me a feeling of rest. Um, I can finally um, rest at the end of the day. I've done everything that is expected of me. Um... I've made my dad proud and others, um, and I can finally, it's all put back together. Now I can finally sit and have rest. So if you could sit and rest, what would that give you? (laughs) If I can sit and rest, then I have the peace that my soul desires. What is it, what is it, how does it strike you just thinking about experiencing that sense of peace? I think what's striking about it is that a deep desire of my heart is to have peace in my home, in my family, in my relationships. But what is so striking is that it is this crazy unrest of having to pick up, chasing after everybody, reminding everybody to pick their things up is how I'm trying to get to the rest. Mm-hmm. So it seems very completely ironic, <laughs> um, but it's how my body has carried out the desires of my soul. Okay. Thank you, Julie. Would you give Julie a hand? Great job. Thank you. So did you track where she started and where she ended up? She started, I, I just want the house picked up. just want everything in its place. And I won't ask for a show of hands from the, the moms in this room and some of the dads who I know who want that at the end of the day, right? Uh, you know, is there anything wrong with that? There's really nothing wrong with that. But really what her deep desire was, was a sense of peace, completion, order. Wow, that comes from God because God's a God of order. And God's a God of peace, shalom, that there's this settledness in our soul. But the question is, how do I get from here to here? How do I get from here to here? And heard Julie talk about some of the, the voices that she has to battle and the, the things that drive her and, and, and the, the franticness and the restlessness that she so longs for in the process to get there as she does it in her own strength, in her own way, with her plan to make that happen. And so the question is, what does it take for me to to be attentive to these surface desires that are really there, but then to live my life out of these deep desires that God has placed in me, and not just to chase this stuff up at the top? I want us to look at a passage of Scripture that I think might offer some direction for us in that way. But before we do that, I want to just take you back to the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer begins with these words, what? Our what? Our Father, 
our Father. And as you think about fathers and mothers, as you think about parents and children, I want to ask you this question. In a healthy relationship, do parents want something from their kids or do they want something for their kids? You say that again. In a healthy relationship, do parents want something from their kids or do they want something for their kids? Which one? Four. Four. It's actually four. It's actually four. They want something for their kids. And if God is our Father, the truth is God wants something for us. For us. We've been a little, we've had some teaching that has confused us a little bit because there's this, there's this sense that God wants something from us. God wants to take from us. He wants to take the fun things in life. He wants to take the things that create sense of meaning and value and take the things I'm not supposed to do. God wants to take, 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 take all these things from us. But the truth is, God wants us to, God wants to give us something. He has something for us. Jeremy next week is going to talk about this whole idea of, of God taking something from us and explore this idea of surrender with you next week. And so what does God want for you? What does God want for you? If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Galatians 5, Galatians 5, and I want us to spend a couple minutes looking at what Paul has to say. Paul wrote this letter to a, a group of churches in a region known as Galatia. These were churches that he had been to, helped get started and established, um, and now he's writing a letter back to them. And he's writing a letter back to them, and he's challenging them about this particular issue. Most of these individuals had come out of the Jewish faith, and they lived by the Old Testament, the laws, the rules, the 600 plus rules of the Old Testament. And what Paul was doing is he was inviting them into a new relationship with Jesus. He said this new relationship with Jesus is not about the list of rules that you follow to be acceptable to God, but it's a relationship where God has done everything for you and he invites you into this relationship. And they couldn't figure out, how does that work? How does that work? They're like, well, you don't have to, no, 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 you don't have to do this. And how's, no, no, you don't have to do this. No, you don't have to do this. Um, and this was a hard struggle for them to figure out. And so in Galatians 5, Paul starts to explain to them this tension, this wrestling that's going on inside of them that we talked about a little bit last week. Let's begin in verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, page 946, the Bible's in your seat there, verse 16. It says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul's been talking about two paths, um, the, the way of the Spirit and the way of the flesh. The way of the Spirit, the way of the flesh. And he starts here by saying, what I want you to do is I want you to walk by the, the way of the Spirit. He then goes on in verse 17, says, For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to flesh. They're in conflict, so you aren't able to do whatever you want. Exactly what Paul said in Romans 7. He said, these things, they live in conflict inside of us. It's a wrestling match, if you will. But then he says... But, and here's a contrast to that wrestling match, he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He said, there's a different way. He said, you're not under the weight, the obligation, the requirements of the law. You see, the law never made anyone acceptable to God. The law just showed that you couldn't please God. He describes it as a teacher, an educator, Shows you where you, you're graded and you come up short. That's what the law does. The law grades you and shows you where you come up short. Paul says, I don't want you to live underneath of that. That's not what God's designed for you to live underneath that. I want you to be led 
by the Spirit. He then goes on, and we looked at this last week, to talk about the works of the, the acts of the flesh. If you follow not the way of the Spirit, but the way of the flesh, this is what is going to be the activities that are going to show up in your life. They're pretty obvious. He goes on to describe them in that list, and you're like, ah, that's not really my list. Oh, that one's got one or two on there for me, you know. He said, these are the, these are the actions, the activity, if your life is patterned after, I want it, and I want it right now. But then Paul, surprisingly, doesn't say, but let me show you the activity of walking in the Spirit. He's shown you the activity, the actions of walking in the flesh, but then he doesn't go to the activities or the actions of walking in the Spirit. He goes to something different. Look what he says in Galatians 5, verse 22. He goes um, to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Huh. Acts of the flesh, walking in the flesh, walking in the Spirit, but then he doesn't talk about the acts of the Spirit. He talks about the fruit, what shows up. Uh, And as I thought about this, I thought, you know, I think what might have happened if Paul would have said, these are the acts of the Spirit, the activities of living in the Spirit, we would have pulled out our sheets and pulled out our, 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 our things that we write down and now pulled out our phones and made a little checklist and said, oh, that's activity of the Spirit. I got that one. I'm doing that one. That's an activity of the Spirit. I'm doing that one. That's an activity. I'm doing that one. We would have just gone through our little checkbox Christianity and checked off everything that we were doing in our own strength and in our own flesh and in our own way and thought we were right with God. Paul says, that's not what I want this to be about. I want you to walk in the Spirit and I want you to be led by the Spirit. I want you to walk in the Spirit, and I want you to be led by the Spirit. In order to do that, it means you've got to slow down. It means you've got to be still. It means you've got to listen to God, and you've got to let Him lead you and Him guide you. And when you do that, something shows up in your life. Fruit. Fruit shows up in your life. You see, this is not the goal. This is not the objective. This is the byproduct. This is what shows up in a life that pays attention to their deep desires, chooses to walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit, and then this is what shows up. And that's what God wants for you. God wants you to have love pouring out of your life, which is sacrificing your needs for the needs of others. God wants you to have joy pouring out of your life, which is the ability to see God showing up no matter whether life is good or bad. God wants you to have peace coming out of your life, which is the ability to be calm when the storms of life are raging around you. God wants to see forbearance showing up in your life that when that you're able to put up with people that you shouldn't have to be, you shouldn't be able to put up with them. And you hang in there with people. And you even hang in there and don't give up on yourself. God wants to see kindness and goodness show up in your life that you give and serve and bless people and you look for ways to give life to people, even if they're total strangers you just met. God wants to see faithfulness show up in your life. He wants you to keep your word to God and others. He wants to see gentleness show up in your life, that you are someone who offers kindness, even people that are cruel to you. He wants self-control to show up in your life. The things that you struggle with, the things that could be um, addictive in your life, the things that could take over your life, you have power over them. They don't have power over you. See, God doesn't want these things for us. Those are not the things He wants for us. 
But he says, if you choose to live your life apart from me, you choose to live life on your own, you choose to make your life about the things that you want and you want right now, that's where you're going to end up. And God says, that's not where I want you to end up. I want you to have this fruit in your life. He goes on, look in verse 24, and he says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I'm not suggesting walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and living out of these deep desires is an easy thing. Paul says it's not easy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's going to feel like you died. It's going to feel like you died. When God exposes these things in your heart and in your soul that you've been living and relating to people and functioning out of for much of your life, and He says, that's not who I made you to be. And He invites you to change going to feel like you died. But they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want to illustrate this for you. So, I'm going to ask um, Stan and Grace, can you guys do me a favor? Can you guys stand up over here next to one another? And Stan, can you take this rope and tie your leg and your ankle and Grace's ankle together? So, let's kind of tie your ankles together and um, and so I was trying to think of a way to illustrate this whole idea of, of being in step with the Spirit. So um, after they get, their, they get it tied together, it looks like he's got a nice knot tied in there together. Grace has got sandals on, so this is going to be really fun here. So uh, open-toed sandals at best. Isn't it cold outside for those, Grace? <laughs> Guess not. All right, now you guys just walk across the stage here. Walk across the front here. So Walk. Don't stand and talk. Just walk. You got to walk. Okay. They're walking. They're walking. Oh, they're kind of stumbling. It's a good thing I don't ask them to walk a little faster. Oh, they're starting to figure out. They're starting to figure out. Oh, they're kind of figuring this out. All right. They kind of got a hang of that. All right. Thank them for being my illustration this morning. So thank you, guys. And the reason I asked them to do that is because I think this pictures for us what this walking in step with the Spirit is all about. Did you, did you see what happened once they kind of got connected? They didn't start moving right away, did they? They kind of like stood there like, we're not quite sure how to do this. And then they kind of drug their leg, one leg, and then the other leg. And then they had to say, okay, left, right, left. And then they, once they started, by the time they got about here, they were starting to be in sync and walk. You know, this whole idea of being in step with the Spirit. Sometimes we think, well, that's what God wants me to do, so I'm just going to walk home and it's going to happen right away. And that's not, what, that's not the way it works. You know, it's a process of saying, okay, God, it's, it's first of all, and Jeremy's going to talk about this next week, this whole idea of surrender, saying, okay, God, it's not going to be about my way. I, I want to live according to the Spirit. I want to live according to God's way. And it first has to start with your heart being willing to surrender to God. But once you surrender, once you sign up, once you are all in, then it's going to take a little bit of work and effort for you to say, God, what, what do you want me to do? And you're like, I'm not quite sure what God wants me to do. Oh, God, you want me to do that? Well, that's kind of difficult. I'm not quite sure how to do it. God, how do I do this? Oh, that's how I do it. What's it going to look like? Oh, that's what it starts to look like. And that first step or two is going to be awkward, and you're going to be tripping over it, and you're going to make a mess of things. And God says, I'm here. I'm right here. Let's try this again. Let's walk in step with the Spirit. You see, this whole idea of living out of our deep desires, living out of what really matters, living in a way where we have the end in mind, this is not an overnight process that happens in our lives. It's a process that God invites us to be engaged in walking in step with the Spirit. 
And when we walk in step with his spirit and we discover that God has these amazing things for us, it's not something he wants from us. It's something he longs to have for us. He wants you to be free. He wants you to have hope. He wants you to live a life that's filled with meaning and purpose. He wants you to discover that there's more in this life than just living for these surface desires. He wants you to know, you know your true identity and true purpose. And that when you live out of this and you follow the lead of his spirit, this fruit shows up in your life. And you're like, I don't know how. I'm hanging on right now. It's all about God. I don't know how I have joy in this situation. There's not a lot of joy right now. I don't know how I have this sense of peace when everything around me is churning and there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't know how I have self-control when I really shouldn't. I've battled this my whole life. You see, God invites us to walk in step. And when we walk in step, something pretty amazing happens. Look at the next verse. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Imagine your office, your team, your home, your kids, for there be no arrogance, no posturing, no jealousy, no insecurity. You see, the clearer you get on these deep desires as Julie walked down that path towards, then you're like, God, this is what I want to live for. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to walk in step with you to live out of these deep things that you've placed in my heart that you've created me for that matter more than anything else in this world. And when that happens, then the fruit of the Spirit shows up in your life. So what do you really want? What do you really want? Not something on the surface, not the whipped cream on the top of the hot fudge sundae, but what do you really want? And as you think about what you really want, ask yourself the question, what will it get me? Do I want that written on my eulogy when my life comes to an end? Or do I want something deep, enriching, life-changing that really, really matters? When what is really important becomes most important, then the life that God offers to you is what you have the opportunity to live in and out of. So what do you really want? What do you really want? If you get what you want, what will it get you? What will it get you? That exercise we walk through up here, you can do that with someone else. You can actually do that with yourself. Say, so what do you mean do that with yourself? You know, and it's worked most effectively for me when, I, when I'm mad that I didn't get my way, if I have the mental clarity and that doesn't happen all the time, to just pause and say, what was that going to get me? That was going to get me this. What was that going to get me? That was going to get me this. What was that going to get me? Oh, there is something deep God's placed in my soul. Now, I went about it the wrong way and I got to try again. But there is something God has placed deep in my soul. And lastly, how is God inviting you to walk in step with Him right now? How is God inviting you to walk in step with Him right now? Maybe God's pointed out some surface desires and, and you've realized, you know, I'm just, I'm living for this stuff on the top. 
And, and then that's, that's what I'm focused on. That's what my attention, my priorities, my life. And the danger is you will get to a point in time of discovering that's not what you really want. But God wants something more for you. I want to ask you to bow your heads and, and as you do, maybe one of these questions stood out. Just take a moment and sit and ask God, what, what is it that I really want? And if I got it, what would I get? Then God, how are you inviting me to walk in step with you right now? God, I think if we're honest, most of us would say, yeah, I, I want to be in step with God. I want to be walking the way God wants me to walk. But we're pursuing a bunch of surface desires. And God invites us into something more. He says, I want you to walk in step with my spirit. I want you to be led by my spirit. And I know that means at times, as we're going to hear next week, it's going to lead us into some difficult places. But if we are willing to trust God, if we're willing to trust that He loves us as a father should love his children, and He's not trying to take something away from us, but He has something for us. And he has this life to be lived and surrender to him. It's being led by your spirit that pours this fruit out into every circle of our lives. God, I don't know what that looks like for me the rest of this day or for each person in this room. But I pray that today and this week you would challenge us and you would remind us to continue to pursue the things that really matter, the things that have value, the things that will last, the things that are part of your imprint on our soul, and to trust you to lead us to live out of those things. In your name we pray. Amen. What would it be like for a mom or a dad or a student to live out of those things and to be led by the Spirit? What would it look like for a couple to live out of those things and be led by God's Spirit? For a family, for maybe a small group, for maybe our entire church. Imagine the people, the relationships, the situations where the fruit of God's Spirit would show up in your life and be poured out in the lives of others. God does that, it gives us something to rejoice and to celebrate.